Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded on the historical lands of the Cowlitz, Multnomah, Peoria, Kikapoi, and other First Nations. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present. Sovereignty was never ceded. Thank you for joining us on Your Top Six, a podcast where we look at our most played games, what they say about us, and what they don't always reflect about our playstyle. I'm your host, Jacques. I use he, him pronouns. And I am joined, as always, by... Gary, and I use they, them pronouns. And today's guest with us is... Hi, I'm Jean, and uh, and I use she, her pronouns. Great. So, Jean, why don't you tell us how you uh, know us and got invited to the show? Um, I got invited to the show because I am married to Jerry, <laughs> and uh, I know you through Jerry and uh, through Joko Cruz. So, yeah, so that's that's how I uh, know everybody. And Jerry and I met through um, through online dating because because uh, we were both looking to meet people and not get serious, and we've been up together for ten years. Right, that that because that's what happens when you're not trying to get serious. <laughs> yep, yep, that's that's pretty much how it always is. Uh, all right, so let's just uh, take a look at your top list of games by hours played. Okay, how many games do you have on your list that are over a hundred hours, or how far down the list do you have to go to get to uh, something less than a hundred hours? That's how we usually put it. Yeah, it looks like I have to get to number nine. Um, I mean, I've got it as eleven, but I'm counting all the I'm counting a series of three games as one game. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so once you take that out of the equation, then I guess nine down um, is XCOM two, which I played for eighty three hours. Uh, so it probably am due to play again. <laughs> yeah, that one I think has been mentioned uh, a couple of times. It's a, a solid yeah. amongst uh, guests for us. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, all right, well then let's because this is your top six. Let's jump to number six. Okay. And. How many hours do you have played on your number six game? 200 hours. And this is the one that is split between three games. And I did go and look at, I haven't played it exclusively through Steam, so I did look at the other platforms I've played it on. And it's the Mass Effect trilogy. Okay, nice. Can you tell us a little bit about Mass Effect, what it is? Because just in case somebody hasn't played that game. Yeah, of course. Um, it is, uh, it's the story of, um, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> what even is it? I mean, it's a space game, and you are Commander Shepard, and you're trying to, I mean, trying to save the universe, basically. So, you know, nothing big. So, future space game, lots of aliens, lots of bad guys to shoot, or do magic with. Magic is represented in the game um, as biotics, so it's just magic, but with a sciencey flavor. So, and it took, I spent 91 hours in one, 62 hours in two, and I lost the number that I wrote down for three, apparently. Uh, 47 hours in three. So I went that through that one, I guess, quickly. Nice. So lots of time in one, and it seemed kind of to taper off a little with some of the later ones, is that, would you say that that's because the content is a little bit less and it just took longer to play the first one for you, or that you, like some of those were that you just went back to more? Yeah, I think um, 
I've started one a couple of times. I also think that it probably took me longer to play through one. I hadn't really played a bunch of, of uh, I mean, it's not just a shooter, but but in that format, I think it took some getting used to. But also, if right. I think I'm going to like replay, then I go to one and start, and then maybe that doesn't always go all the way. <laughs> fair, fair. And, uh, and I will say I had the privilege of playing three um, after the hubbub had died down after release of Mass Effect 3 and after they patched, they did a patch to the ending. So I don't know. I don't know what everybody was so mad about because it didn't really make me mad at the end. <laughs> I don't think I heard about that. Uh, Jerry, was that something that you... Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the original ending was... The original ending to Mass Effect 3 was much more abrupt um, and much more black and white. Um, mm. um, and it was... Um, yeah, a lot of people didn't really love that ending. There was gotcha. uh, a lot of a lot of uh, strenuous mentions in the forum of fora of public opinion so mass effect I, I think kind of said or bioware or whoever they were at the time basically said okay we get it here's here's the extended ending that we would have liked to have done if we'd had all that time and pretty quickly they had it they had it rolled out a a, a patch for the ending which made things a little more self-directed i guess i would say mm, okay yeah so we're gonna cut this into the be right after the question that jacques asked but uh i think the thing i really loved about mass effect was the care the side characters and the relationships that your character gets to build with all of these different uh, teammates that they have in the game and uh, i in fact had to put three down for several weeks uh, after events uh to chunka which is not a spoiler for people who haven't played the game but for people who have maybe you know what happens on Ch to chunka and i was extremely <laughs> upset and i actually cried quite a lot i remember in the shower crying over what happens yeah and, wow. I'd, and I'd put it down for several weeks i finally got back to it i was like i don't know if i can recover so also for people who played the game i play pretty straight paragon i kind of i think it would be interesting to play renegade but i just can't get there and i have the i have the green ending so is that uh is that like a, a morality scale is the the paragon versus renegade like good versus evil there is sort of there yeah good versus i mean renegade's not evil per se but it's just like a it's a rougher commander shepherd um, and a feb chef for life obviously because like <laughs> every time i see uh, clips with a male shepherd i'm like i don't know who this guy is but shepherds should get in here and do something <laughs> about him <laughs> Right. Yeah, I think the best way that I could come up with it is that like um Paragon is Boy Scout and Renegade is asshole. Yeah. And I know enough assholes in real life that like I'm just not interested in playing one in a video game. So Right. Cool. <laughs> All right. Um so Gene, how many hours do you have in number five? Number five. I have two hundred and forty-nine hours. Okay. And again, I did look at uh couple of well no this is mostly this is all in steam actually i think maybe a little on, okay. on console but um i didn't look at my console time for it but fallout 4 uh, which was the first fallout game i had played um i'd get three at four's launch to see if i like it enough to buy the new one and i like three enough that i like just dipped out of it and went bought four i don't know like <laughs> <laughs> I will go back and play three at some point, but so I played Fallout Four a couple of times. Uh, well, started it several times, but finished it, finished it once or twice. I think the most fun playthrough I've had was, uh, you know, I always like to play like the sneaky sniper because it's like fun and easy. But I went with an unarmed build and just like 
punching stuff. <laughs> pretty great, actually. <laughs> Very uncomplicated. <laughs> yeah. And should I say what, what it's about? Yeah. Tell us what it's about. So Fallout 4 is an RPG that's... Um, that is post post nuclear post nuclear world war basically so it's uh, an irradiated world pretty rough everything's still really uh, dirty after 200 years so i don't know that's kind of weird to me but <laughs> so it is so and it's a, a society that's trying to rebuild itself in spaces and run across a lot of irradiated creatures of uh, giant scorpions uh, and the like and you fight them they're not helpful one of those that we've talked about with other guests um, who have played Fallout 4 is um, their favorite mods. Do you Ooh. have one or two favorite mods? Let's see. Uh, I always like to get a lockpicking mod because I don't particularly enjoy that minigame. Um, what else do I like to get? I like to get the visual packs so that it looks nicer. Uh, not that it looks cleaned up or whatever, um, but it just, like, just in general, everything looks better. Like higher res, higher res texture packs and, and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and of course, the unofficial patch that the community puts together for, uh, for the bugs that Bethesda doesn't get around to fixing. <laughs> and I've played sometimes with, um, with what is that mod that lets you, it's like, it's a mod that lets you like really expand on the settlement, um, the settlement mechanic in Fallout 4. And I don't know whether this was a mechanic in previous Fallout games, honestly. I, my impression was it wasn't. But you can like build out your settlements where people are and you like add, you can add little stores to them and you can like add new buildings, you add electricity to them and water and all of this different things. And NPCs come and populate your little settlement. And um, Jerry, you use this add on to what's the name of yeah, that squad? It's called, it's called Sims Settlement. Oh, yeah. Um, and they just, like a couple of years ago, just came out with Sims Settlement 2, which is an improved version of Sims Settlement. So, yeah. David, uh, one of our previous guests, talked a lot about that sim and how that sim makes it fun for him. So Ooh, Yeah. And uh, I did recently start a Fallout playthrough on... Uh, on the console on our uh, PS4, and I was delighted to find out that I could get my lockpicking <laughs> add-on <laughs> and not have to fuss around. But I didn't add many add-ons for the console. I just all right. So we've got uh, Mass Effect the trilogy at number six, Fallout Four at number five, and now for number four, how many hours are we looking at? Four hundred twenty-nine. Uh, so a little jump. Okay. Nice a little, jump. Little jump there. Oh, and it is? It is Skyrim, um, <laughs> which I have played that and, and own on multiple consoles. Not on uh, Amazon Alexa, though. <laughs> so I play it. I've played it on PC quite a bit. I play it on, uh, I've played it a lot on the Switch, actually, which I really like. Um, the drag about playing it on the Switch is all of the original bugs are still there. So, like, last playthrough, um, I couldn't complete, you know, I couldn't complete a quest line because something happened that caused it to bug. So I guess that quest line will just go undone. Um, and so Skyrim is a RPG that's like fantasy, um, kind of kind of normal fantasy tropes, I think. Um, elves and wizards and um, no dwarves, but <laughs> different races in this world, Skyrim, or in the in this area of the world. Uh, the world is uh, I can't recall anyone. Anyway, it's not important, obviously. Blanking on it, I know it. Um... <laughs> yeah. 
it's not, it's not, the world isn't this big a deal, but the area is Skyrim. It's just one of the Elder Scrolls series. Um, I have not played the other Elder Scrolls games except Elder Scrolls Online for a little while I played that. And I think the appealing thing about it, and this is true with Fallout too, is the open world. Um, but I think Skyrim, the open world is just like, and the quest lines are so good, all of the different things your character could do and become a thief and become a, an assassin and uh, do all these different things. Um, see yeah played a lot of skyrim there's something very comforting about i think that the first opening quests and i don't know that it's special to skyrim but i think any game that you've played a lot develops this comfort in that first bit like it just is like feels familiar and you know what's going to happen and i don't know there's something there's something satisfying and comforting about it i think Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. those comfort moments of being able to return to something that you know you're going to be able to go through you know you're not going to be running into like getting stuck and getting frustrated and and whatnot when you just like i just want to sit down and enjoy a thing and especially when it's a game that you can change how you play or change what build you want to do or or whatnot Mm -hmm. having familiar trappings but the ability to also approach it in new ways yeah can can stimulate both the 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 comfort feeling and security you know that that, like everything's gonna work right yeah and yet also the this is something a little bit new i can experiment and i can explore and i can broaden how i approach this Mm -hmm. same kind of thing yeah what if i make this choice this time what if i you know yeah exactly yeah and it's and it's beautiful yeah yeah it really is it's a beautiful game especially with the 4k pack that they came out with with the bethesda release oh wow it's just amazing yeah wow I might have to try it again at some point. Somebody else had Skyrim on as one of their top games. And sure. uh, I tried it a little bit and I just kind of bounced off of it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. There was something about the gameplay that I was just like, this just didn't, it didn't click. Mm-hmm. Um, like the actual like gameplay stuff. So I didn't even really get into enough of the like open world and the story oh, yeah. and the quest lines and whatnot. Cause like just when I tried it, the gameplay just felt weird and not mm-hmm. whatever. I was looking for at the time yeah it sometimes i have that happen with a game and then i go back later and, and it hits for whatever reasons so, oh yeah yeah maybe i i definitely had one where i same thing i bounced off of it and i decided to come back to it and it is now one of my two perfect games on steam where i have all the achievements oh nice did the new game plus playthrough etc so i i it is a thing that i definitely have on my list of maybe i will go back and check this out yeah uh, what game is that so many people really love it what game was that that you're talking about oh that one was um that one was transistor Ooh. by supergiant okay all right noted so <laughs> You can go back and listen to uh, one of our very first episodes if you want to uh, hear me talk about that one. I will, yeah. Okay, so we have Mass Effect at 6, we have Fallout 4 at 5, we have Skyrim at 4. So, how many hours have you played in number 3? This is not on my Steam list, but 720 hours on one platform. On PC, I don't I don't know. There's no way to track this as I know on PC, but I played much more on Switch. Um, Jacques, do you want to take a guess? Mm, um... I mean, we've given you literally nothing, <laughs> except that it exists on Switch right, and yeah. PC. So... Well, I mean, there's a lot of commonality. Yeah, I got, there's I got a lot of commonality right between those first three games. Uh, yeah, no, it's um, I'm, that's I got fine. nothing right now. No, it's it's not like the first three <laughs> games anyway. So <laughs> it's really you've 
got given. So nothing. what is number three? Uh, it's Diablo okay. three. Diablo three. Uh, okay, got it. Diablo three, and um, and I played Diablo three. I mean, I've put in some playtime on PC for sure, but once we got the switches and Diablo three came out for it, I tried it on the Switch. And honestly, it's so much better on console that I, I just can't. I've tried to start PC games again on free of Diablo three, and I'm just like, eh, yeah, no, I can't. It's just, it's just so good on console. And uh, I've heard that they actually went and re like it's not just a a, a control scheme thing that is right. Different. Like they actually changed the pacing and the balance. Oh, interesting. And whatnot. When yeah. they when they released it for consoles, they 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 were really smart about it. I actually remember watching the announcement at that BlizzCon, mm -hmm. and they talked about how they were able to get it ported to consoles super fast. Nice. And then they were playing through it, and they're like, "This isn't great. Oh, like it just doesn't feel right. Right. Because." Uh, especially where they wanted to treat the the console thing as like like couch co-op mm -hmm. like shared screen co-op kind of thing pc is not that right pc you're able to see your own stuff um so they had to adjust things like the camera stuff oh um, yeah but also just the the flow and the um pacing and the number of monsters how scattered the monsters were how condensed and clumped up they were mm -hmm. they they changed all of that so that it felt like more of a like kind of continuous thing right on consoles whereas on pc it's much more of things are kind of open and spread out and then you hit like a bunch mm -hmm. all at once yeah and then so you kind of go into fewer bigger fights mm -hmm. okay um, compared to, to how they did it on console and so it's not surprising that when you you're like yeah on pc it's just not as good as it is on console mm -hmm. like it's my understanding is it's almost an entirely different game yeah uh, yeah in terms of feel and flow yeah that tracks for me yeah i mean i fell in love with it uh, finally at the probably my last couple of cons of uh, pc games when i uh, tried a barbarian it uh, basically it was jumping and shouting it's jumping and shouting things to death and so that was yeah. <laughs> fun for me so there is a story to diablo um it's not very terribly important um i played through yeah. the story at the beginning and it's like basically demons are coming demons are bad kill the demons and um yeah and so it's a game i play especially if i'm feeling very stressed or if i'm having anxiety so played a very it. cathartic game it is it's about you go in and you are super overpowered by the end game and you smash demons and take their stuff and that's it and you smash them to get better gear so that you can smash them and that's the loop and that's it and it's very uncomplicated and satisfying and it's also very colorful like all of the character abilities are loud they're colorful they're flashy you know the the barbarian build that i first fell in love with was a set called might of the earth and uh, for anyone who's played it it's uh it is like you leap around into monsters and then you yell at them and they die like <laughs> it's so good so I play, I love Barbarian, and I love uh, Demon Hunter, and um, I sometimes also play Muck. 
those are my probably my three most go-tos. And the Barbarian was a character I didn't try until I was like, oh, it's a new season. I'm going to play Diablo, but I don't really know what to play. I guess this is the one thing I haven't tried because it's just Barbarian. <laughs> oh, yawn. No, I love Barbarian. Was it Barbarian? <laughs> it. Nice. Was it Barbarian part of a, like a DLC or a, a late release, a later release? It was mm-hmm. part of the. No, the, the, Barbarian okay. was early. Yeah, Barbarian was in the original, and Necromancer came as a pack later. And I really wanted to like Necromancer, and I just don't. And I think I think the reason is I think it's a slower style of gameplay than than like Barbarian or Demon Hunter, which could be very fast. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, the big thing was about set building and the the season where I played a Necromancer. It felt it was too easy to gear up. And they bored me. I wanted to be, because uh, you get gear from drops. You get gear from uh, converting rare items uh, in the in Kanai's cube, um, which is a, a mechanism for converting rare items into legendary ones. And you get uh, you get gear from gambling with Kadala uh, in in some of the content. These blood shards drop. The blood shards are good for one thing and one thing only, and that is to trade them for chances at gear with an NPC called Kadala. Um, and I just was able to gear up the Necromancer with hey, just some really basic, easy to find items. And it sort of left me flat. I was like, I don't feel like I didn't have any goals. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is, it's not, it wasn't entertaining to me. So. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think I mostly did Demon Hunter when I played. Yeah. Demon Hunter is super fun. Yeah. But I, for me, I had a bunch of friends that played Diablo. Uh, I have friends that still play Diablo 3 quite a bit. And, um, like I made sure I like I got through kind of the storyline and whatnot. I never really stuck around a lot for the end game. Uh-huh. But anytime I would play with my friends, uh, Diablo is one of those games where like your progression, the the power curve is so ridiculous. Yes. Yep. Like if you're trying to play with somebody who's a handful of levels above you, it's just like, all right, I'm going to walk around and just XP soak mm-hmm. while doing nothing yep. other than dying occasionally yep. until you get caught up. And at that point, like all of a sudden I've got a character that's earned 30 levels in half an hour. And I'm like, I don't know what any of these new abilities are. I don't know how to <laughs> use this thing that you just gave me like a max level character. And I have no idea. Talk, what that's, what, that's what Icy <laughs> Veins is for. <laughs> I know. I totally go to icy veins and and look up stuff and and fuss around with my builds that way and use those as a as a starting point for stuff or as a as a resource. And um, but yeah, it's the end game is the thing. I'm just like when a new season starts, I'm trying to level as fast as possible. And I've almost got seasons journey done. And that's the other thing they added with seasons, which they added. I mean, a few years ago, I think we're in season 26 now, and um, it's just like. You start from nothing and you level up and you can do adventure mode. You don't have to do the story every time. You just, um, I don't know, it's a nice way of starting over and having new goals mm-hmm. um, instead of like, I'm not going to play to, you know, 20,000 Paragon levels or whatever. I'm just not like, I'm going to get bored with it by then. So I pick it up every every other season probably and, and play a ton of it and then put it down. All right. Uh, I think that was number three. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, my brain is loving the, the, these little like numbers things that we've hit. Uh, so uh, number five was Fallout uh-huh. Four, and number four was, if I'm not mistaken, Elder Scrolls uh-huh. Five. Yes. And Diablo <laughs> Three was number three. 
I do, in fact, have another number uh, for you. <laughs> and number six was Mass Effect 1, yep. 2, and Oh, yes, yes that's yes, true. Absolutely. Which, when you add them up, isn't it the same? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's it. Just it. That's just been <laughs> my brain went to that pattern recognition, and I thought it kind of fun and amusing. Yeah. So now we've got to find out uh, how many hours for game number two. Uh, one thousand forty-four. Okay. And what is it? Well, I have another number for you. Like I said, so Sims Four. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So Sims Four is number two. Now we've got forty-two in there. Sims Four <laughs> is number two. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um. <laughs> And Sims is, it's another game that I pick up and play obsessively and then put down and forget about for ages. Uh, and I was thinking about this the other day because there's there's talk about Sims 5 now. And um, mm. and for anyone who might not have played it, it's a person simulation game. You have a character, they have a family or whatever, you give them, you make some make-believe people and watch them like live their lives, direct them in living their lives. I used to say uh, they were better at following orders than like my actual family. <laughs> but actually that's not always true either. It's like, well, God, would you put the clay down? They've got, <laughs> they get a ball of clay and want to play with it. They told you to go read this book. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so sims 5 is there's conversations about sims 5 and when it might come out um, so we're kind of at not the end of sims 4 but like we're kind of in that tail for it and i was thinking about how excited i was when sims 4 came out and how and how boring i found it initially and i played the other sims games but what i realized with sims 4 is part of what makes it fun for me are the expansions and the packs and all of the stuff that they add over time so when it first comes out it's like this very basic like you have these people they can get jobs they have goals in life and whatever but like they can't have a pet they don't have toddlers maybe there's no pools yet maybe there's there's no careers where you could like follow them to work something that they added to sims for later so that a doctor character he goes to work i help him figure out what's wrong with patients and stuff <laughs> it's definitely a big like one more one more thing game for me like okay okay i just want to get everybody put to bed <laughs> So it's, I mean, it's a dolls game. It's a playing dolls game, right? You know, what's around in character creation, dress them up, send them to work, have families. So, yeah. Nice. All right. Um, I guess I could, one more thing I could say about that is what I've been doing this time and what's got me a little more engaged is I'm doing a legacy playthrough. And so um, hmm. legacy playthroughs are 10 generation playthroughs. Um, the very formal Sims Legacy playthroughs have a lot of rules in them. And so it's like rules are like you you marry somebody, they can't bring any money. I mean, that's one. The first rule of a Sims Legacy playthrough is you put your character on a lot, on an empty lot, on the biggest lot that they can get, um, which is 50 by 50. Later expansions added 64 by 64 lots and uh, 50 watts, 64 watts, you say? I don't know. 50 units of measurement by 50. You put them on an empty 50 by 50 lot and then you delete all their most of their money. So there's an object that you actually buy. It's a knight's suit of armor that you buy that's very expensive. Uh, the suit of armor also raises your household bills. And so part of the challenge then is getting this sim from nothing and then taking their, their legacy 10 generations. Um, and so that has been uh, 
that's been really fun. I'm not playing with all of the strict rules, like make sure you have to marry people with different traits. Like you want to get all of the traits available to the Sims captured in your legacy. You want to have different career, you want to capture all the career paths in your whole legacy. I I'm not playing with all of that. 10 generations of Sims seems like plenty to work with. <laughs> so I try and shake up their aspirations. They have these life goals you work through. I try and make sure I'm covering different ones and not just like doing the same ones over and over again because how boring that mm -hmm. would be. Is that legacy thing like a sort of a community challenge thing yeah. or or like an official game mode? Yeah, it's a community challenge thing, um, not an official game mode. Although I, I'm sure the, the developers, the developers are pretty engaged with community. So I'm sure they think mm. that. But yeah, it's a community thing. So I'm not keeping score. There's a whole score sheet that you could do, spreadsheets of it and so <laughs> forth. I thought that was a little more than I wanted. So I'm uh, currently my eighth generation has just turned into teenagers. So mm. getting there. <laughs> and how long has it taken you to get there so far? Mm, I don't. No, because I actually started this particular legacy maybe a year or so ago, and then I put it down for, and then I played and played, and then I put it down for months. Maybe it was even two years ago, um, and then I picked it back up and was like, I should check out how the punks are doing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what those punks are up to. Nice. All right, here we go. Last one. So, no, I'm not going to do all of those numbers. Um, it was <laughs> Mass Effect was six. The Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 was 6. 5 was Fallout 4. 4 was Elder Scrolls 5. 3 was uh, Diablo, Diablo 3. 3. 2 was Sims 4. Okay, great. We're, we're seeing a lot of sequels here. Mm -hmm. right. So how many hours do you have in number 1? Uh, 1,115. Okay. Um, I think I've okay. got a guess on this. Okay. Since uh, we are including things like games on the Switch, mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Animal Crossing. Yeah, yes, Animal Crossing, New Horizon. I did not go dig up my uh, my Nintendo DS to, to look at, uh, at <laughs> New Leaf, which is the last one I played. Yeah, and this came out at the beginning of, so for anybody who might not know, Animal Crossing is, it's a game where you're the human and there's a village of animals and there's been some confusion and they think you're the mayor. For some reason, you're in charge of the town, basically. I mean, kind of you are. You're obviously the player character. Tom Nook is really in charge of the town, I think, because he loans you a bunch of money so that you can build a house and you have to pay him off. And then he loans you some more money so that you can upgrade your house. So it's a, a lot of it's a game about paying off bridges. <laughs> <laughs> So wow, you're, you're really selling this. <laughs> that sounds so exciting. But also, it is you have all these animal characters who come and live in your village, and you make friends with them, and it's a good game for people who love daily quests, because you they ask you to go pick fruit, and you have to chop trees, and you go to the beach and collect seashells, and um, you shoot down balloons that randomly float over the town and drop a present when you pop the balloon with your slingshot. You go fishing and pick flowers and plant flowers and hybridize flowers. You put the red poppy next to the blue poppy. Now you've got a purple poppy. So it came out at the beginning of the pandemic. 
and which is probably like the best thing for that game it was like so many people yeah totally and there were a bunch of us waiting for it anyway but right at that time it was it was a it was uh it was so peaceful and lovely to play uh Tom never gets after you for your loans but you know it's just better to have it (laughs) I once I once heard uh, someone describe uh, Animal Crossing as uh, a fantasy simulator where you can do things that you can't do in real life, like hug your friends and own your own home. Yeah. I want to both laugh and cry at that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know. So, and you can, in fact, go to your friends' places, their villages. And one of the fun things that we had at the beginning of the pandemic was a friend of ours had a birthday in April after the lockdowns happened in March. And they were also playing Animal Crossing. So, like, a bunch of us, like, went to their island and we were all, like, running around their island. I don't know, goofing off, dropping presents, doing stuff. So, it was cute. It's cute. It's fun. Um, It was relaxing. I haven't played it much um, I probably played it pretty heavily for about a year, and then I haven't really played it much since then. Mm-hmm. I got the great idea that it would be fun to reset my island. And, and normally, I'm not sorry about a choice like that, but actually, I was sorry. <laughs> it's like, oh no, it's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> you suddenly took for granted all of the things you had built up, and yeah, all my furniture that I collected and put in my little house, and yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Cool. So that takes us uh, all the way from number six to number mm-hmm. one. Uh, yeah. That's... So we are also going to do a little bit of an MMO corner. Awesome. Since we know that you are a big fan of MMOs, and that's a yeah. lot of what uh, you're playing. Yeah. So why don't you just tell us about some of your top MMO games? Okay. In kind of whatever order you choose, the ones that you think are sort of the most notable. Okay. So I've played a lot of MMOs. I do love them. The best thing about MMOs is the people, and the worst thing about MMOs is also the people. <laughs> so um, depending on where you are. Uh, sorry, I trust y'all will cut that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll I'll talk about, I'm going to sort of approach, approach them in the same order. So I'll talk about some of the ones I've played over time. So I've played Guild Wars 2, which... I mean, I'll just go through these. So I played Guild Wars 2, I played Rift, played Elder Scrolls Online, Star Wars, The Old Republic, and Wildstar are the ones I could think of off the top of my head that I've tried. Rift was a very early competitor to WoW, and the name came from... Played a little bit of it. Yeah, it was it was pretty good, actually. I did like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, actually, I liked all of these games, um, but they didn't catch in that way that an MMO to catch for me. Mm-hmm. Guild Wars is a much more like, it's a much more cutesy aesthetic. So it's like, I don't know, it seems like it to me anyway. The class system in Guild Wars is very flexible, as I recall. So it's not, it's, there's classes, but a class can do any of the three big roles in MMOs, which is DPA or damage, healing, and tanking keeping the boss's attention so the damagers and the healers could do their jobs. Uh, So it has a nice flexible system for that. Um, Wildstar was great. I loved Wildstar. The animation was fantastic. They had a housing system that I really enjoyed, but they tuned their end game for sort of hardcore gamers. And it turns out there's a lot more dirty casuals like myself (laughs) than there are 
hardcore gamers. So they lost the dirty casuals and there weren't really enough hardcore gamers to like hold it up. So that was a, that was a sad, sad story for me because I really loved the, it had a very fun cartoonish feel over the top trying to think else to describe it. it. I really liked it. And it was like this westerny. It was like space western. Space western. Which like was space fun. westerns with like an- anthropomorphic animals. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like very, very cartoon fun. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember seeing it. I never played it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard some more things. Yeah. Yeah. It was a blast, but the difficulty curve got was really sharp. Like you could be going along and you'd be fine. Like I could be going along and doing just fine for a while. And then I'd hit like level 10 and suddenly everything was much harder like oh you need to group up with people now harder mm-hmm. and yeah it was yeah yeah so you fell out earlier mm-hmm. i don't mind that learning loop where something goes from being easy to more difficult they, you just have to like practice you have to practice mechanics and i have to practice how to respond to things and get better so i like that about a game actually so it didn't it didn't throw me out right away and i also um, don't mind grouping up with people and fine with it so those didn't throw me out but eventually it's like okay this is just enough you guys <clears throat> that idea of that like that learning curve the the balance of like how hard is it to do a thing mm-hmm. and do you need other people what kind of like with also like what i described with um uh diablo like sometimes it's like if you're if you're mismatched with whoever you're teaming up with it's like a cakewalk for one person and the other person's like this is just boring like yep. why would i do this it, it's really interesting to see how different games approach that mm-hmm. and why we see like i think the the kings of doing this has been blizzard with wow yeah where they've put so much time into the, that party experience and mm-hmm. adding mechanics around like what happens when you have a high level character paired with a mid-level character how do mm-hmm. how do you make those numbers work right yeah that a lot of games just completely take for granted yep and and can create such such a polarizing view of how the game plays mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah it's it's real interesting to see that how some games seem to be great but if they don't hit that right they yep. they lose just enough of every part of the player base that they can't stick it out yep and uh, i'm sure we'll hear more when uh, we talk about more of your mmos but yeah why something like wow is such a huge prolonged ability to stick around yeah um, yep. even though like very few people i think would be like wow is the the best mmo in right. every aspect but it, it it is still the king of the hill and it just yeah. keeps running yep and they they know what they're doing yep yeah, yeah exactly um but anyway, so back to um, yeah some of these others you're describing so let's see so star wars the old republic um came out oh god i don't remember we were in the house on we were in the willow house so it must have been i don't know it was probably 2012 2013 maybe something like that very excited about a star wars mmo so we're in the beta uh, and everything i really liked it um, i think where republic fell apart was actually in that group experience wasn't great we ran some dungeons for sure but like the big thing that old republic has going for it in my opinion is the single player game is outstanding i haven't played it for a while but i feel like in the recent expansions what i've heard is that they've really linked it to that more like there's still group content it is an mmo uh, but that single player story and the cutscenes and the way your character responds, the storytelling of your character is so good. And then each character, whether you are sort of Jedi associated or um, 
Empire associated, you can independently then choose whether you're light or dark path. And so that can be fun too. So you might be playing somebody with the Empire who is actually light path and just trying to do good things. Although maybe the most fun I had was a, was a Sith character who like just leaned the hell in on dark side. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Excellent. Kill your mentor. Yeah, absolutely. What else would you do? Like, so it was very good on single player. But again, I didn't stick with it long term. Elder Scrolls Online, when the beta came out for that, I played that beta and uh, it just made me want to play Skyrim. I went back to it a couple. Heard that multiple times now. It did. It was just like, I just want to go play Skyrim now. I went back to it a couple of years ago and actually I liked it pretty well. And in fact, I liked it well enough to even give them money for a little while. And none of the games I've talked about, I mean, some of them are gone, like Wildstar. And I think, I don't know if Rift is still around or not. It is. Um, Guild Wars is, Old Republic is, mm -hmm. El El Rift is still around, Elder Scrolls Online is still around. None of them, none of them went with a, were able to make a subscription model work long term. And I feel like uh, the demands of a, of a true subscription model are pretty stringent. I think the market, I mean, there's two, there's two MMOs that, that have made a subscription model work. We'll be talking about those in a minute because I'm going to talk about the subscription model games that I play. But I think, I don't know why the market is so rough for a subscription model that nobody makes it work. But I did give Elder Scrolls Online subscription money for a little while because the, the benefits seemed good to me. And it's it's just in that Elder Scrolls world and you can play Elder Scrolls Racing, doing Elder Scrolls things. And there are some good quest lines. I was playing a Khajiit Thief um, last time I played. And uh, yeah, it's fun. But again, all of these are like, mostly oh it's fun and then i put it down for a while don't go back mm. occasionally um so my two mainstays are and actually went and looked up my play time on these <laughs> final fantasy 14 is one of the two games that makes a subscription model work and i like it very much one of the things i like about it you're a character in a world called eorzea um no sorry the world is called again i don't remember what the world is called off the top of my head but the area you're in the sort of land you're in is has uh, magic, science, magic science, sort of, uh, magitech in Final Fantasy world. And one of the things I like the most about it is your character can be all classes. Um, you don't have to roll an alt to roll a new class. You just go and teach your character the new class. And so you can switch between them. The storytelling is very good. The um, cutscenes are bananas. <laughs> So <laughs> at the that, end that tracks for a Final Fantasy game. At the end of a Realm Reborn, which is the which is Final Fantasy fourteen, the the first thing. Not really the first thing though, because what happened with Final Fantasy um, fourteen is they launched it and it sucked, <laughs> and it sucked so much that they basically deleted it and uh, and relaunched oh, it. Wow. They went back to the drawing board. They re-engineered the whole thing, and so the first sort of expansion or, or pack for uh, for Final Fantasy fourteen is a realm reborn because that's what they did <laughs> they tossed the whole thing out the window and started over again the storytelling is really good the cutscene at the end of a realm reborn i think there's a 35 minute cutscene and maybe a 20 minute one after that it was i was in cutscenes a while and they're bananas there's like right. shit is happening like <laughs> dramas are happening 
setups that are being revealed. There's, yeah, it's a lot. There's a, there's a little warning that pops up that I absolutely love, which is every so often you'll get this warning that says, please set aside sufficient time for this cutscene. And they mean it. Like, yeah. Go to <laughs> yes, the... please. <laughs> please set aside sufficient t- cut yeah. time to view these like, cutscenes. Get a before. snack. Make sure you've gone wow. to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. The storytelling's very good. The character development, I think, of the characters around you is is fantastic. Uh, I think in the beginning, um, some of the characters are like, I don't get this person or whatever. And then by the by the most recent expansion, it was just like, that is my favorite person. <laughs> And hmm. it was somebody who was shady as heck at the beginning. And so the development in that way is extremely good. The fights and the mechanics are very good. It's a different model than WoW in that, like, mistakes feel more forgivable. You can resurrect people in fights multiple times. So it isn't like if you've died, it isn't like you've irretrievably screwed up. Somebody will pick you up and you'll go home. And the community is really, really good. It is a place where when I go into random with people I don't know, if something goes sideways, generally the response is, that's okay, we'll get it this time, or here's what we should do differently. It's usually encouraging. Occasionally, of course, you run into some jerk, but so seldom. It's it's the community, I think, that just makes it really good. Yeah, I've heard that a lot, that it really, and when you get those jerks, it really is a community that tends to shut them down quickly. Yes. Yep. It's like, don't, yeah, <laughs> we don't do that here, is the, is the general, is the general sense of the response. Yeah. Also, the clothes are phenomenal. In, in Final Fantasy, the practice of changing your armor to look like different clothes is glamour and uh they say glamour is the true end game (laughs) so i love final fantasy um did i say how much time i've spent playing it 1252 hours okay is what i've spent playing it so i play it for a while and then i fall out again and then i play it for a while and then i fall out again and i usually keep my subscription up too long thinking i'm gonna go back eventually i do go back I, i really like it enjoy it very much but the big one for me like for many people has been wow and I have played WoW Mm -hmm. since, not since launch. The game launched in November of 2009. Now, I don't, I don't remember what year. It launched in November. Yeah, I think it is eight. I think you're right. It's 17 years old and I have Mm. played for 17 years. So I didn't play at launch. Oh no, 2004. Oh, thank you. Yes. I I don't know how math or time works anymore. (laughs) I don't know. Um, It launched in November. I started playing it in January and I have played it consistently ever since. I took a break in, I'm going to say 2000. Well, God, how is this 2022, (laughs) y'all? I took a six Mm -hmm. week break several years ago. And then recently I've taken a break of, I put it down in August and started picking it up in April. So eight months or so. So those are the two breaks I've had from WoW. So in 17 years, I have played uh, uh, 12, 12,600 hours. Not surprising. A year and a half. I've played, I've played WoW for literally I mean, in, one point, one and a half years. That had to have been a notable amount of math because I expect that that is across multiple realms, multiple characters. Mm-hmm. It uh, is. And it's actually a little low because as I was going through my characters, there were definitely characters that were like, well, I barely leveled this one up or this one's only level 20. I didn't play it that long. I'm just going to disregard these. So like when I hit my first one that I had just only leveled up and then played maybe a little 
level, but not, not much more than leveling. Um, it was a two day playtime and I was like, Oh, that's meaningless, you know? So I disregarded right. five to 10 characters who probably had two days playtime or, or so my most played character, I think Arthur, I didn't call Fonzie. <laughs> so sure. that is his name. But my most played character is my priest, Cindy. I rolled her um, when Wrath of the Lich King was released. Um, uh, Lich King, Lich King, I think might have been 2008. I think that seems about right. And so, and she's yeah. she was my main for for ages. Uh, that said, I, I've been known to have multiple names for expansions. So my main character that I play, and then alternative characters are all. So I think my most played class besides that is Druid, and I've spent uh, 64, let's see, 66 days playing Druid, so that's 1,584 hours. But yeah, I checked my two, the two realms that I have most of my characters on, and then checked all of Mm -hmm. the the ones that I played extensively. So I've I've made all kinds of things. Uh, Yeah, mostly casters, healers. You've played a lot. Yes. And for World of Warcraft fans out there, you have not said whether you are oh. for the Horde or for the Alliance. For the Horde! For the Horde for life! I um, My first characters actually were Alliance, and I played uh, at a dwarf paladin that my son deleted. He was a small kid. He was young. He was I don't know why he did that, but whatever. I then rolled a night elf druid that a friend of mine was like, come on over to the Horde. We're cool. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I played a Torin Hunter for quite some time until I was ready, until through Vanilla. I played the Hunter through Vanilla. And then uh, at the end of Vanilla, I started playing the Rogue. And then at the end of Vanilla is when I started getting interested in, uh, oh no, I take it back. I played the Rogue at the end of Vanilla and through Burning Crusade, which was the second expansion. And then when Wrath launched, I had become recently interested in raiding. And so I raided for the first time with uh, with the rogue. And for those who might not know what a raid is, it's the bosses that you can kill only with 24 of your closest friends. <laughs> so modern raids now are flexible. They go between 10 and 25 people in a raid. When back in the early days... 10 to 30. 40. And back in vanilla, they were 40. Yes, yeah. and I did not raid in. I did not raid at that time. I, to me, at that time, leveling was the game. Mm-hmm. Now leveling is is very fast, and the game is is kind of what I really love. Yeah. So oh, and so eventually, I went back um, once we got faction changes available, and I faction changed and race changed my old uh, night elf druid. So I actually mm. do still play her. Nice. That's my oldest character. Her name is Alice. And if you look at the bookshelf behind me, obviously listeners cannot see this, but I do have all of the the collector's editions of every WoW expansion. So nice. uh, including Vanilla, which a dear friend of ours gave to me um, because I wow. thought I was going to have to like buy one used. They go for about $400 used. And if you could find uh, Vanilla edition that is unopened, I think it goes for $3,500 or something. Wow. Bananas. You said $3,500? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So I did not get an unwrapped edition. I've got a used one, but lightly used. And it was a lovely lovely mm-hmm. gift from a friend so nice all right so as we are approaching the end we've talked a bit about a lot of your games that mm-hmm. you have the most time played in we've got a bunch of the mmos uh we've got uh sort of the first person or first person or uh, kind of action mm-hmm. uh advent- or adventure rpg style games yeah. 
the the Skyrim, the Fallout, the Mass Effect, and then we've also got some of these sort of more like sim building mm-hmm. style of games between Sims, uh, Animal Crossing, uh, the Fallout mod, mm-hmm. um, uh, and then you know we've got the just cathartic to smash and grab all the wood even more in Diablo. Yeah. Is there anything that stuff that we've talked about? doesn't really say about what you've been doing or what you have enjoyed uh, other either genres or styles of games that you think um, what we've talked about so far just doesn't really reflect. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like the stuff we've talked about really, I mean, obviously with that much time in it, it really reflects who I am as a player. I like to build things, I like to have goals. One thing that, that we didn't, that isn't reflected though, is my deep love of baseball. <laughs> And this this really is something people might not know about. So Blaseball is a, it's a baseball simulator that came out a couple of years ago and um, kind of early-ish in the pandemic, not right away, but, but like early summer, I think. It came out probably in the spring or early summer, late spring, early summer of, the, of 2020. And it's a baseball simulator, but also the rules to the game are weird and um, plot things happen like a giant peanut comes and uh, tells the players and the audience to be respectful of the giant peanut <laughs> um, and and so weird things like that so it's a little baseball meets night vale sort of or or maybe even a little baseball meets uh sort of um kind of cthulhu-esque almost um sort of dark this dark humor um, and weirdness that go through baseball. But the other thing about baseball is the community and um, where the community interacts is largely on Discord and in Twitter. And people pretty quickly started picking up like they would make Twitter accounts from baseball players, which are not people at all, of course, but generated names. Um, and so generated names might be like uh, Wanda Pothos, for example, was one of the names. And that is actually the player whose Twitter account I took. <laughs> so the community builds stories and art and music around uh, around baseball. The Seattle team is called the Garages. And so actually a bunch of musicians in the community sort of got together and started doing music together. So I think the real world garages, there are about 60 people involved. They've come out with some albums. They have a good presence on Bandcamp. They make some great music. Some of the art's been fascinating and dark and beautiful. And the other thing about the community in baseball, I think, is at first the devs started trying to pit us against one another, and they found that the community wouldn't have it. The community uh, was very engrossed in uh, solidarity and how we could support each other. Uh, The community is also extremely gay. I would be doing it a disservice if I did not say that. The community is very proud of how gay we are. And so it was this, it was a little bit of a lifeline for me in that summer of 2020, where it was just like this supportive community came together to build, to build stories and lore together. Um, And the devs, we would come up with things and the devs would respond. So there was a thing called the Snacrifice. I was a Los Angeles tacos fan, um, especially in the beginning. I mean, I am a Los Angeles tacos fan. The devs came up with a mechanic where um, the, a player might get shelled by the peanut. So the peanut would encase a player in a shell. The player would then be able to unable to come to bat, although they could still play field positions, it seemed. And so they couldn't pitch and they couldn't bat. 
And so the LA Tacos community said, what if you got shelled if you were above a certain line in the ranking? And so we said, what if we could all get, get all of our pitchers above that line and our whole pitching line was shelled and couldn't play? What would happen then? People made art propaganda for it and uh, we lobbied the community and we were able to like all arrange this to happen. We all got shelled and the developers gave uh, the tacos a pitching machine. <laughs> it's a very weird, wild game. Some of it happens in the baseball website, but a lot of it happens at the community and the community is what makes it a delight. This sounds like another one of those things that was just perfectly poised to land during the pandemic. Yep. Uh, where people are looking for those those lifelines that that community uh, and that that the situation we're in just allowed it to explode even more so than uh, could ever have been expected. Absolutely. Yeah, it was really interesting because the developers released the original website for funsies, basically, on the day that baseball was supposed to start play, but it was all basically canceled or delayed because of COVID. Right. And they were expecting like dozens of people to visit their website <laughs> and like dozens of hundreds of thousands of people was their website. Yeah. We crashed it regularly. And so, and that became known as Siesta. So Siesta is any time when the players aren't playing, whether that's the website being down or whatever. Siesta, go to sleep. <laughs> wow. All right. So I think that uh, brings us to the end. Thank you very much, Jean, for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was a blast. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to either pitch or promote uh, or show off or share uh, your own contact information or how anybody could reach you or anything of the sort? Yeah, I don't have anything to pitch really, but if people want to get hold of me, uh, I'm on Mastodon. I am on Twitter, but I ignore Twitter largely these days. Uh, for my own mental health. Um, and Mastodon has felt like more of that slow community, I think, and a little more conversational. So uh, Mastodon is uh, basically an open source federated Twitter replacement. For those who don't know, it, it would get into what federated is, but let's not. And, uh, if you want to find me there, <laughs> I am tinybirds at tootcat. So that's tinybirds at T-O-O-T dot C-A-T. And yeah, I don't think I have anything else to pitch or anything. Cool. Well, all right. Uh, time for the outro. I'm Jacques. I'm Jerry. Thanks for listening. Catch us on Twitter at JP Marcotte. At Like Bureau. Follow the show at Your Top Six Games. Email us at heyyou at yourtop6.games. If you want to be a guest, shoot us an email at guestable. That's G-U-E-S-T-A-B-L-E at yourtop6.games. Thanks to Justin Ferris for our theme music. Thanks to David Reeves for uh, producer. And to listen to previous episodes, go to yourtop6.games. And that's it. We're yeah, done. Cool. Let me uh, turn Craig off. Let me stop my garage band. Uh, Jean, thank you so much. It was wonderful to chat with you. Oh, thank you. It was so good to talk with you.